following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. A season like none before has yielded an offseason with the uncertainties and questions to match. We'll keep you up to date on things in baseball and with your team on the Twins Hot Stove Show. The Twins Hot Stove Show is presented by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. Here's the host of the Hot Stove Show, Chris Atterbury. Well, welcome back. It's another edition of the Twins Hot Stove Show. It's our final edition of the Twins Hot Stove Show before we take a little bit of a holiday break, and then we'll get back with you in 2021. We're very excited to have Assistant General Manager Jeremy Zoll with us today, and we've got a lot of ground to cover, but I want to start by reminding everybody that our first show of the year, Stephanie Johnson joined us a couple of weeks ago to highlight three auction items that are available for bid. Those bids close. We will be awarding those items at the end of this program, the live program that airs on Wednesday here, the 16th, uh, across a variety of platforms. So I'm going to give one more time, twinsbaseball.com slash hot stove auction. So it's twinsbaseball.com slash hot stove auction. We've got a signed game-worn Sergio Romo jersey. That's currently sitting at a buck seventy-five, $175. Uh, a starting pitching quartet package, including autographs from Pineda, Odorizzi, Maeda, and Barrios. That's at $225 right now. And a Jim Tomei package at $200. They make great gifts. We'll make sure you have them in time to put them under the tree. But they do close in about 28 minutes. So we encourage you to get those bids up with all those funds going to the Twins Community Fund. Of course, can't have our typical uh, fundraising auction uh, at uh, the uh, Twins Fest this year, what with the unique situation we're in. So I encourage you again, twinsbaseball.com slash hot stove auction. With that, we welcome Jeremy Zoll into the conversation. Uh, you got your bid in on that. If you had one of those three items, if you were given it as a gift or if you wanted to receive it, which of those three, the Romo game-worn jersey, uh, the the four balls from the pitchers, uh, or the Tomei package? What would you go for? Uh, I would probably lean Jim Tomei. I feel like just growing up watching him mash homers for a whole bunch of different teams, that'd probably be my lean, but a lot of good options there. So definitely a tough choice. Are, are you a memorabilia guy? Do you have a bunch of stuff from guys you've worked with through the various stops? Growing up, um, I, I definitely was the kid trying to to chase down autographs when I had the opportunity to go to games and and go after BP balls and foul balls. So there's a collection from when I was little. I uh, would not consider myself an active uh, hobbyist in this area, but there's uh, a lot of stuff in it. my parents' attic or, or something that, that needs to get uh, cleaned out and organized. All right. Well, you are an active person in, a, in another area. It's virtual winter meetings week, and I know free agent market has been a bit slow. We're still waiting on some rules clarifications. Uh, we went through the Rule 5 phase, but I want to talk specifically about development. Now, a lot of people may or may not know that you were in charge of the Twins minor leagues, promoted, you're an assistant general manager. You're dealing with the big league club trying to win every night, but you're also still heavily involved in the developmental phase. And we've talked an awful lot about the revamping of the minor leagues. Now, everyone knows Twins and the Saints will be paired at the AAA level, which is great news across the board in Twins territory. But I want to talk about the impact at the lower level. Um, short season baseball is now gone. This will be happening in academies, essentially, or in Fort Myers in the sake of the Twins. The Twins have invested very, very heavily in the developmental model in the minor leagues, and you were hands-on in that process. With this change, was your model angling in this direction already? And how will it impact your developmental model and instruction model 
at the entry point of pro baseball at the lowest levels for draftees and kids that you sign? Yeah, I, I think we're in a really strong position to, to take what um, we've been doing and enhance that even further, given um, th- this restructuring and, and rule changes that are coming. Um, we've been pushing uh, a variety of experimental programs, a variety of developmental programs um, down at the Fort Myers level. And, and we feel with the staff that we've assembled down there and uh, the foundation we're going to be able to create for players. Um, we're, we're just in a really good spot on a lot of different fronts. Um, you know, first and foremost, having the Academy that the, the Polad family invested in down at the complex makes us extremely fortunate. Um, we're, we're one of, um, just a handful of teams that, that has uh, a dormitory style Academy, um, on site. Um, and, and that's allowed us to, um, really, really enhance our off season programming and, and start, um, spring training for certain players, certain groups of players, even earlier with, with things like January camps and um, continuing on from instructional league programs into training conditioning programs. So um, we've been pushing in that direction for kind of this year round model. And now we feel like um, with, with the elimination of short season baseball, we're going to be able to take that developmental model even further during the season. Um, so that's really exciting for us. Um, the, the other thing that, that this restructuring does, is it takes Fort Myers and really makes it the hub of the lower level. So if you're uh, a young player coming from our academy in the Dominican Republic, you come to Fort Myers, you know you're going to be there for a, for a good chunk of time now, and not because you're not progressing, but because we're going to be able to commit to you and invest in you um, during the time that you would have been in the GCL and maybe Elizabethan and really push that development. You get to stay in one spot. And then at the time you earn a promotion to low A, now that's also in Fort Myers. So um, having all of that, making Fort Myers a hub, just just really enhances our opportunities to, to push the envelope in a lot of different regards. So you make a great point because a young kid, and I'm going to ask you to walk us through like a high school draft or a Dominican sign versus a college player in a moment, but they could be in Fort Myers for three years. And there's a positive there. It is the hub, all the facilities, the food, the nutrition, the access to instruction. But there's also a dangerous element, I would think, as well. I just signed to be a professional baseball player, and I haven't left town in three years. I went from 18 to 21, and I haven't been in a, in a stadium somewhere else. I haven't been on a, on a bus necessarily. I know even the Rays talked about that when they went to Charleston and left Port Charlotte, a concern that they didn't want guys to get um, stale was the word, I think, in, that I read. Now, obviously, you have the means to not have that happen, but is that something you've obviously thought about in terms of the mental side of developing a pro ball player? I think that's that's a very reasonable concern that that we we have certainly spent some time thinking through. Um, often, what what we feel maybe creates that stale environment is if you feel like you get stuck at the complex level where you're playing, you're not you don't have the opportunity to play under the lights. You're playing at noon in in the summer in Fort Myers. It's hot um, and it doesn't really feel like the game counts. There's you know there's there's just a handful of fans, if if any, at the game, and you're playing, especially in the GCL, you're playing like the same three opponents super regularly. So, um, or, or an extended spring training, I should say. And then often that carries into the GCL season as well. So, you know, it's our responsibility to make sure that the guys that, that we, that we avoid keeping it, um, avoid, avoid from it getting stale. We, we, we keep it interesting developmentally. Um, but, but once the, once that promotion comes to, to the low A level, now you are playing night games. Now you are traveling a little bit more, um, it, it, the stakes continue to grow. So we, we feel like we're in a, uh, a spot to avoid that. It's definitely been on our mind, but 
But if you just think about if you're if you are one of those players um, and you're in extended spring training, you earn a promotion to Cedar Rapids um, before the Elizabethan season had started. So if this is in April or May, you go up to Iowa and then maybe you earn another promotion. You come back down to Fort Myers or um, you get sent up and then things change and you have to get sent back down and, and kind of that shuttle back and forth um, from Fort Myers to, to Iowa and then back, whether that's promotion uh, demotion or promotion promotion, it, it gets a little bit uh, crazy for those guys. Whereas now, um, Hey, we have, we're a little bit short on pitching at the low a level, which is now Fort Myers. We can run a guy over from, from our Academy, you know, from the complex super easily, as opposed to either stretching someone's assignment um, you know, where they're going, from extended spring training to high A, which we've definitely done a number of times to save some travel, but now it's there, that continuity is, is really enhanced. So, um, you know, we're, we're excited about the, those opportunities for sure. So often the first year, whether it's in, in the Appy League or whether Cedar Rapids, it's a lot of firsts. It's the first time being away from home for a lot of people. It's the first time they failed or they've played against other players of their caliber. The fact that that's almost exclusively going to happen kind of in a, in a more pr- protected, controlled environment. Uh, does that kind of go hand in hand also with your development because you're there to help them in those steps as opposed to just throwing them off the, the diving board? Yeah. I, I, you know, when, when a college draftee goes to Elizabeth and they're in the Appy League, like it can feel um, a bit isolating in, in some ways. Obviously we have, we had our staff there that that's working coordinators traveling through, but um, you know, I think we're going to really be able to make Fort Myers feel like the home of, of twins development and all things development. And we have a number of coordinators who live in that area um, and will be spending, you know, way more time than they could at, at, at any other location. So we're going to be able to make that the hub in so many different ways where um, they're going to get that added support. They're going to get that uh, increased attention um, that should be able to allow us to um, help navigate those bumps in the road as smoothly as possible. Jeremy Zoll is our guest, and he's got his hands all over the developmental program that's now uh, changing a little bit for the Minnesota Twins. Our show, the Twins Hot Stove Show, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are born. So let's say I get drafted after my junior year of college uh, and I sign with the Twins. What's my path now? Walk me through uh, a typical path for a non-superstar first, second round pick Maybe I was drafted in the middle rounds. Uh, what are you going to do with me? Yeah, so in the past, we typically would have sent someone like you to Elizabethan um, just just due to it being a little bit um, higher of, of level of competition. And and then I would have complained. I would have complained to you that this guy who was raking after his college season in E-Town wasn't getting the minor league player of the week often enough, right? Is that what would happen? <laughs> exactly. So we, we likely would have sent you to, to Elizabethan and then, um, you, you know, for, for players who had performed super well there, um, we, we looked to promote those players pretty quickly because even though the Appy League is a higher level than the GCL, it often for a lot of our, a lot of our opponents uh, still was more of a younger short season league than older. So we tried to get those college players that were performing well to Cedar Rapids sooner rather than later over the last number of years, which again was, was the low A level in the past. Now, you know, we'll be able to have our post-draft mini camp in Fort Myers. And um, while there might be an exception or two for our top picks that would go straight to uh, the low A level with the, with the mighty muscles, 
um, you know, now I'll be able to have that post draft mini camp and then just roll right into programming in Fort Myers. So, um, you know, we, we've had a variety of different conversations with, with Alex Hassan, Drew McPhail, Tommy Burgens, Brian Maloney on what that is going to look like. We envision, um, you know, kind of two different groups. If we're going to have approximately 60 players down in Fort Myers, um, not at an affiliate, not with an affiliate at any given time. Um, so we'll envision kind of more of a developmentally focused group that's clearly trying to work on a skill, uh, enhance an ability, improve a deficiency, and then a group that's trying to um, get game action, um, reps, ABs as much as possible, whether that's inter-squad or um, setting up through um, our local opponents with the Red Sox, the, the Rays, the Braves, and, and so on. So, um, and, and there will probably be some shuttling back and forth between those um, those two groups. So, Hey, I'm, I'm, I've been working on my command. I've been in this program, individualized program, trying to get better at it. Now I get to kind of shift into, uh, the other group, the game group and, and test that out a little bit. Oh, it, it's going well. Great. Maybe I stay in that group. Oh, I still, still need to, um, make some more improvements. Maybe I slide back into the developmental, um, opportunities. So we see a lot of creative ways we can solve that. And, and it's really going to push our, um, group to be as individualized as possible to maximize that for, for each player. How much did it help going through this last summer with the alternate side in St. Paul? Because you're talking in similar language to what was required to keep that group fresh and ready, albeit a more experienced group than folks just opening the door to pro baseball. But are there some similarities and was there a value for you guys as a staff in what went on in St. Paul? Totally. Uh, you know, in St. Paul at the alternate site, you know, we, we got to make all the rules. We weren't pay, playing any opponents. We were not um, having to having to navigate the, the perils of a triple A season or, you know, dealing with um, also the dynamics of a, of a double A team. And, and how do we make sure that everyone is, is covered in all areas? So we got to be super creative on certain days. Hey, we only have five innings of pitching. Great. We're just going to play five innings today. On certain days, hey, we want to get in extra at-bats for certain guys. How can we make that happen? Or, you know, we're going to really challenge this player um, against only right-handed – this pitcher against only right-handed batters or against only left-handed batters, whatever they might be working on. We had the opportunity to make all those things happen that you never get to do during a normal minor league season. Now, undoubtedly, the value of, of getting to play games and against opponents, there, there is real value there. So there's, there's things that we – couldn't replicate and, and are going to be um, lost from, from 2020 uh, undoubtedly, but there were some great lessons there to be able to apply to some of these creative ideas that we're hoping to, um, you know, utilize in, in, in Fort Myers and, and, and apply for our group. That's the voice of Jeremy Zoll here on the Twins Hot Stove Show, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. A reminder, twinsbaseball.com slash hot stove auction. You got about oh, 15 minutes to get your final bids in on the three to- uh, three items uh, that are available for auction this month. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll check in with Rocco Baldelli with a winter meetings update, and then Jeremy will join us on the back end of our program for a little more chat about development in the Twins system. This is the Twins Hot Stove Show on your home for Twins Baseball. Chris Atterbury welcoming you back to the Twins Hot Stove Show, our final edition of 2020. We'll take a holiday break, be back in 2021. Reminder, twinsbaseball.com slash auction for a few more minutes now to uh, pick up some great holiday items. We're brought to you 
by Killebrew Root Beer. Well, it is virtual winter meetings. Rocco Baldelli met the media, and here's what he had to say about folks like Trevor Larnick and Alex Kirilov waiting in the wings to try and fill the spikes of Eddie Rosario. You're talking about two of the more exciting young corner outfielders in baseball. I mean, I, I don't think that's any stretch to talk about uh, Alex Kirilov and Trevor Larnick like that. These guys can simply just hit, and they're strong. They drive the ball. They do a lot of other things, too. They're also you know, good competitors, good teammates, guys that I think will fit in well with what we do as a team. But I think both of these guys are going to be huge factors for us going forward. Obviously, AK making his debut in the in the playoffs um, last year says a lot about you know how how up we are on and high we are on him. I think we're in a really unique spot. We didn't have a minor league season to really judge guys on, but I think setting that aside, I think that can affect you, your decision making in some ways. But I'm going to set that aside and just say I don't think that matters with these two. I I, I think they truly are. Uh, either prepared at this moment or will be very soon to impact the big league level. Yeah, some high praise. Also, obviously, some depth options. Brent Rooker uh, debuted last year. He's recovering well from his injury. Still got guys like Jake Cave, uh, guys like uh, Lamont Wade Jr. in the fold as well. And you better be ready because despite back-to-back division crowns, Rocco and company know uh, making it a third straight Central Division crown won't be easy. At any time, a good young group of players can take the next step and become a, a playoff team or even a dominant team. So I think that's something that that we're going to continue to see. Obviously, uh, the White Sox, you know, going to get Lynn and you know making making a decision like that. It tells you what they're in it for. They're here. They're not messing around. They're here to win. And we know when we have to play them, we, we can't mess around either. And uh, we have to play well if we think we have a shot to. Of course, so many variables and unknowns. When is spring training? Will there be fans? When exactly will the season start? Will there be a universal DH? And of course, also an unknown introduced this week, vaccines and how people feel about them. The variables are endless at this point. But I think as we get closer to spring training, learn more, we're going to be able to talk about this more more openly. We're going to have to address the issue. Yes, it's a it's a challenging topic, but I think it's, again, just one of many challenging topics that we've tackled to this point and and found ways to to work through. I mean, in a in a very straightforward sense, we know different people think very differently about vaccinations, but we also know that the world is a much safer place because of vaccinations in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, this may be one of those instances. And, and truthfully, I hope that it's uh, completely safe and allows us to, to function and, and improve our lives in, in a lot of different ways. I, I think uh, that could be the case, and I'm optimistic that that's the case. I don't know when it's going to be, but at some point I plan on taking one of these COVID vaccinations. That is Rocco Baldelli, who will probably get a COVID vaccination before he decorates his Zoom backdrop at his new home in Rhode Island. Appreciate Rocco stopping by. We've got more with Jeremy Zoll coming up. It's the Twins Hot Stove Show. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are born. And it's right here on your home for Twins Baseball. Welcome back for our final segment. Again, your last chance to get in on those auction items. Twinsbaseball.com slash hot stove auction. Our show is brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are born. Want to remind everybody it is the Twins holiday week of giving. 
Thursday, Bullseye and TC's Winter Wonderland at Gillette Children's Specialty Healthcare. Uh, Joe uh, Mauer, Justin Morneau, uh, Zooming with the kids. Uh, a lot of fun there and always a great holiday tradition. Uh, and also, uh, Jake Cave and Mitch Garver, along with, uh, with Sage and Sarah, are making fleece blankets to be delivered by the Minneapolis Fire Department throughout the course of the winter. We're joined by Jeremy Zoll. If you had to pick a fleece blanket made by either Jake Cave or Mitch Garver, which blanket do you think is going to stand the test of time? Put you on the spot. Uh, I would go Jake Cave there for sure. I mean, you look at the beard that he was rocking at, at mm. various points. Like, I think that's going to carry over to the blanket. So I'm, I'm feeling good with, uh, with that choice. He's a little craftier. You think maybe he's a little more crafty than, than old uh, just uh, play my Fortnite and my uh, video games, uh, Mitch Garver. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's an interesting uh, it's an interesting point. Jeremy Zola is our guest. Now, normally we have a, I guess, Zoom question here, but people are off chasing their uh, their holiday week here. So you're stuck with me, which uh, I, I know is a holiday gift worth noting. This was supposed to be a huge week for you. And COVID has changed the world for a lot of people. But specifically, you were supposed to be walking down the aisle at the end of this week. Yeah, that was uh, that was scheduled for December 19th. We uh, you know, like most people that work in baseball scheduled a winter wedding, which is what every, uh, bride dreams of, uh, for sure. When they're, when they're, uh, growing up, uh, but, but Tessa was great about the winter wedding concept. Unfortunately, uh, due to COVID we, we've postponed it to next November, which, uh, naturally comes, uh, after another season. So it's, uh, now November 6th, 2021. All right. Well, it uh, it's still going to be beautiful, and I'm glad you guys were able to get out ahead of that. You get an extra a year almost to get that groom into groom shape, uh, you know, so you can rock the tuxedo uh, next November. What are holidays like uh, in the Zoll family? Obviously, Tessa's family as well as you guys are merging merging families, and COVID provides holiday challenges. But uh, what are traditionally have the holidays been like in your family? Yeah, traditionally uh, we've we've at, at times we try to find uh, an opportunity for a warm winter vacation somewhere. So that, that's definitely been in the mix uh, growing up. Um, this year we, we are spending it on the East Coast, was able to drive for Minnesota uh, and spend some time with, uh, with my parents and, and, and be able to abide by uh, all the COVID protocols. So I'm going to spend some time with my parents right now and going to spend time with Tessa's family uh, through Christmas and New Year's. So we're looking forward to taking advantage of that and uh, one of the small wins of of working remotely and, and having the offices shut down right now. What was the greatest Christmas gift you ever unwrapped? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I should I should have come prepared for that. You should, you, if, if I got stumped, I would have got stumped if the if the guest uh, if the guest came on here on Zoom. They and would have asked that. Christmas. They would have been. I, like, I was ready to yeah. talk Royce Lewis or or Alex Kirilov or Trevor Larnick. So I'll have to spend some time thinking about that. See, oh, you're gonna you're gonna pass. All right. Well, you must have either your parents are gonna watch this and they're gonna be like, "What about this? What about that? Remember this? Remember that?" Apparently, we didn't do well enough. Okay, have fun with that when you guys are on the on on lockdown. If you uh, could that, was, off- that, that was that was kind of the point. I'm hoping to 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 just, <laughs> just if, dig it in there a little bit to them. So thank you for for Twins fans. Can you wrap up uh, Nelson Cruz and put him under their Christmas tree this year, or can you give us uh, some insight into? Uh, who might be wrapped up in those baby blue twins uniforms for the coming year? Coming yeah, year? That, that would be a great present. You know, Nelson has, has been unbelievable for for the twins the last couple of years. And um, I know Derek and Thad are continuing to work hard on trying to find a way to make that work. 
um, you know, Nelson is going to work through the process here with his agent and make sure that he feels, um, you know, as good about all the dynamics as possible. So um, it's definitely front of mind for the whole group and, and something that, that Derek and Thad are spending uh, meaningful time on each and every day right now. No, we appreciate your time. I know you're double busy because you've got big league stuff like that on your mind. All the developmental changes in Wichita, St. Paul, the change in Cedar Rapids, and obviously a big one in Fort Myers. Appreciate you shining some light on that because I know it doesn't get as much attention as the higher level affiliates, but that's where it all starts. And Jeremy, one thing that we know, development's always going to be the core of the Minnesota Twins, and it's all going to start there in Fort Myers, and it seems like you guys are well positioned for this change. I appreciate that, Chris. We're, we're looking forward to the opportunities that lay ahead for the group and uh, ready to tackle whatever 2021 throws our way. So thank you, and uh, I'm really excited about it. Jeremy Zoll is our guest. The show is the Twins Hot Stove Show. It's brought to you by Killer Brew Root Beer. We're going to shine off for now and for a couple of weeks. We'll see all of you in 2021. And a reminder, twinsbaseball.com slash hot stove auction. That auction is closing in a matter of seconds for those great items, the Romo jersey, the pitcher's quartet, and also the Jim Tomei package. So for Jeremy, for Drew and Gino and our crew here in studio, happy holidays. We'll see you in 2021 right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to the Twins Hot Stove Show, sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of a Treasure Island Baseball Network.